American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today, we're talking about how a struggling entertainer's last $7 turned into one of the most important cancer research and treatment hospitals in the world. This is a really amazing story about one of my favorite entertainers. Yes, the man we're talking about was born as Amos Muziad Yakub. Kairuz, and I apologize if I mispronounced it. In 1912 in Dearborn, Michigan, he was the fifth of ten children born to Lebanese immigrant parents who were Maronite Catholics. He actually grew up in Toledo, Ohio, where he attended St. Francis de Sales Church and became good friends with the Bishop of Toledo, Samuel Stritch, who became a spiritual mentor to him. Kairuz would go into the entertainment industry where he would perform at nightclubs and other gigs under the name Amos Jacobs. And then eventually he took the name we all know him by, Danny Thomas. But taking Danny Thomas as a stage name came later, after he was already devoted to St. Jude, right? So that came later. We're still looking at it earlier when he was a struggling entertainer. In 1936, he got married, and in 1937, his first daughter, Marlo, was born. While his wife, Rosemary, was still in the hospital with Marlo, he couldn't figure out how to pay the $70 medical bill. So he went into the Church of Saints Peter and Paul in Detroit, and he prayed to St. Jude, patron saint of hopeless causes, for a sign. There was a poor box in the back of the church, and as he was exiting, he tossed in his last $7 in what you might call a moment of inspiration, and he said to St. Jude, I need that back 10 times tomorrow. The very next day, he received a call offering him a gig to do a commercial as a singing toothbrush. The gig paid 75 bucks. so St. Jude came through the first time. Thank God for answered prayers. Mm. So... Did that kick off his success? Uh, well, yes. He started getting more gigs and radio spots, and he became moderately successful. Three years later, he moved to Chicago to go back into the much more lucrative gigs and nightclubs. But to keep his family from knowing he'd gone back to nightclubs, he took the name Danny Thomas, which were two of his brother's names. Eventually, his popularity grew so much that the owners of the club, where he was performing, offered to make him a permanent act and to give him part ownership of the club. That's great. Success. Well, it was, but he wasn't sure that night that the nightclub scene was what St. Jude would want for him. So he went to St. Clement Church, where he he prayed to his favorite apostle, praying, quote, show me my way in life and I will build you a shrine, unquote. Those ended up being fateful words. While he was still at the Church of St. Clement, he found a large statue of St. Jude with some pamphlets at it indicating that the National Shrine of St. Jude was actually right there in Chicago. He quipped, you brought me to your hometown. Almost immediately after this episode at St. Clement, an agent named Abe Lastfogel, who had seen Thomas perform at the club, contacted him to offer to help his career. And that is how Danny Thomas made it to Hollywood. Once getting to Hollywood, he starred in a few movies between 1947 and 1951, and then he hit it big with Make Room for Daddy, which ran for 11 seasons beginning in 1953, and it became one of the most successful TV series ever. And while it was a tremendous success, everyone on the set regarded Thomas as a very fair and very caring boss. I loved reading about Angela Cartwright, who played Thomas's stepdaughter in the show, um, and she once related how she asked to be let out of the final portion of her contract when she was cast as Brigitte von Trapp. She was actually the first von Trapp child to be cast for The Sound of Music, and Thomas didn't have to let her out of her contract, but he was happy to let her do that and further her career. Yeah, he was a very good man in Hollywood, and Make Room for Daddy wasn't all he, he did. He also worked as a producer on many shows, including the Andy Griffith show and the Dick Van Dyke show, where he actually discovered Mary Tyler Moore, recommending her to show creator Carl Reiner. But with all the success, 
Danny never forgot his promise to St. Jude. No, he did not. It was actually in the early 1950s, so just as Make Room for Daddy was getting started, that Thomas began discussing with friends what form his vow to St. Jude might take. One confidant was his old spiritual mentor, Samuel Stritch, the former Bishop of Toledo, who had been appointed Archbishop of Chicago in 1939 and made a cardinal in 1946. The idea of a hospital for children in the South began to emerge from these discussions. The idea for that grew out of a few realities that had affected Thomas deeply personally. First was his own childhood experience. He was one of 10 children in a community of very large families, but no one ever went to hospitals. People, especially children, died from treatable diseases. Second, at some point in the late 1940s, he read an article in the newspaper about a black boy in the Deep South who was hit by a car driven by a white man. Three different hospitals refused to treat the boy because he was black, and the boy bled to death. Thomas had clipped this article out and kept it with him. Cardinal Stritch, who was originally from Tennessee, told Thomas that if he were to build the hospital in Memphis... He had connections that could help make it happen. So Danny Thomas went off to Memphis, but even Cardinal Stritch's connections couldn't build a hospital overnight. No, there were still barriers, and one was, of course, money. Danny began raising the money in early 1950s, and Memphis business leaders began helping with local fundraising in 1955. To get more national support, Danny and Rosemary traveled the country, once even visiting 28 cities in 32 days. Wow. He also knew that once the hospital was built, it needed funding to run the daily operations. So he turned to fellow Americans of Arabic descent. In 1957, 100 Arab-American leaders met in Chicago to form the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities, or ALSAC, with the sole purpose of raising money to fund the daily operations of St. Jude's. He saw it as an opportunity for his fellow Americans of Arab descent to give back to the country, which had given them freedom and opportunity. Danny himself was no slouch in fundraising. As you mentioned, he did a lot of traveling to raise money. He gave many benefits and he made sure that some heavy hitters in show business helped out too. In fact, his agent and friend, Abe Lastvogel, spearheaded these charity events with many entertainers like Bob Hope, George Burns, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and even a young Elvis Presley taking part. Yeah, they were epic events. The ALSAC really took off. Today, it is actually the second largest healthcare charity in the country with 10 million donors one million volunteers, and it provides the money to keep St. Jude's running at the cool clip of $2 million every day. That is just an astounding number. What does St. Jude's do exactly for that $2 million a day? Well, that's where Dr. Lemuel Diggs really comes in. Dr. Diggs was a medical researcher at the University of Tennessee at Memphis who specialized in blood disorders. Dr. Diggs, when going through the process of figuring it all out with Danny Thomas, said, don't just build another hospital, don't just treat kids. Let's try to figure out what makes them sick. Let's make this a place of research and treatment devoted to the study of childhood catastrophic diseases. And the diseases they were targeting were, in fact, catastrophic. At the time, childhood cancers overall had a survival rate of just 20%, while the most common one, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL, saw just 4% survive. This hospital was dedicated to caring for those afflicted and fighting like the dickens to make sure those numbers changed. So St. Jude's opened in February 1962 with a unique vision and special rules. What were they? The three rules were simple. One, Open to anyone regardless of race or religion. There was to be absolutely no segregation. This actually extended to area hotels and other businesses. If they wanted any business from St. Jude, they would have to accept all customers regardless of race. Two, 
No one is turned down due to inability to pay. No one is ever presented with a bill. Families would come and not have to worry about anything, especially not medical bills. In fact, Danny Thomas forbade the hospital even having a billing department for 10 years, eventually allowing that insurance companies might be billed, but absolutely no direct billing. And to this day, no patient is asked if they have insurance before they are admitted for treatment. And rule three was all research is shared for free. So all the breakthroughs that they are that they've that they make are made available absolutely free to all other researchers around the world. The most important thing is to find a cure. And how successful has St. Jude's been? Oh, massively so. Those numbers I cited a moment ago, thanks to the research done at St. Jude's, overall childhood cancer survival rates have climbed from 20% all the way to 80%, while ALL, which was a death sentence at just 4% survival, now has a survival rate of 94%. In fact... In 1966, just four years after St. Jude's opened, St. Jude saw the first group of children afflicted with ALL come off of therapy because their remission could be sustained. No children had ever come off of therapy for ALL, and St. Jude did it in just four years. That's just amazing. Mm. Danny Thomas was a great humanitarian, obviously, but it all flowed from his deep faith. Yes, Terry Thomas, his second daughter, has said of her dad, he had a deep love for Jesus, and when he would need something, he would go to Jesus and his friends. He also reportedly had a relic of the true cross and would pray for hours in his dressing room. Eventually, he was honored by being made a Knight of the Holy Sepulchre, as well as a Knight of Malta, and he received a Congressional Gold Medal from President Ronald Reagan. When Danny Thomas died in 1991 of heart failure, he was buried in a special mausoleum at St. Jude's. Bob Hope said, Danny was one of the giants of the industry, and what he did for St. Jude's will never be forgotten. I can't understand his leaving us. God must have needed some help. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. 